Welcome back, everybody, to The Middle of Medicine, episode number four. I'm one of your hosts, Peter Jones. And I'm your other host, Aubrey Jones. And today, I just want to start with a disclaimer. In thinking about things that we could talk about and that we wanted to talk about, Aubrey and I decided that we wanted to talk a little bit about COVID-19. Now, I understand that this can be something that can be difficult for people to talk about, to hear about. It's impacted so many people in a lot of really awful ways in some situations. And so we wanted to just mention up front, that's going to be the topic today. And if that's something that's going to be difficult for people to listen to, please go ahead, skip this episode. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll love to have you back in uh, a couple weeks. But just wanted to let everybody know that's going to be the topic for the day. I'm also going to throw out a disclaimer that everything we're going to say here is our opinions, but because of just the nature of who Aubrey and I are, I think we can say that these are opinions that we have tried to substantiate with science as much as possible. What do you think about that, Aubrey? Absolutely. (laughs) So if you don't like our opinions, that's okay. You're welcome to not like them. If you don't share our opinions, that's also okay. You don't need to share them. But please understand, we are sharing these things as people who are, I think, fairly well-educated and who have, throughout this entire past two years, worked really hard to continue to be educated about this evolving disease and pandemic. So, anything you want to add to that, Aubrey? Yeah, just we, we like to have opinions that we do lots of research about, so we're, we're trying our best to not be ignorant, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> And at the same time, I'll say we're going to try and not be too judgmental, but I guarantee you there's going to be some moments today where I rant a little bit. So be forewarned. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we start off and talk a little bit about how has COVID affected us personally? You know, I mean, it's now we're coming up on pretty much two years since in some ways it felt like the world shut down. And what was that like for you, Aubrey? Because you were still in high school at that time. Yeah, so I was a junior in high school, and that feels so weird to say now that I'm in college and moved out of the house. Especially but... given that your brother is a junior in high school now, too. Yeah, so. oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, so I was a junior in high school, and like the, the whole thing really changed my, I guess social style like I was an extrovert I was hanging out with friends as much as possible I'd go to dance after school and talk to people for four hours and I'd talk to people at school for seven hours like you know yeah I was a chatterbox and (laughs) when everything shut down it was such like a shock to me because I hung out with like one person or two people for you know, those first few months. And yeah, that was just such a weird thing to not go to school or dance and not see a bunch of people every day. It was just such a shock. And I remember missing school. Like I missed going there and learning because online school was just not it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I it was not I, it for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and I miss dance. Like I miss being able to talk to my friends every day. And it was just an extreme shock to my social, social life to say the least. <laughs> well, and it was, 
you know, it was such a weird thing because if I'm remembering correctly, it seems like they decided to send everybody home the week before spring break, right? Yeah. And so we were going to have two extra weeks of spring break, I think is what it was. So or something well, like that. Th- yeah. Cause I mean, or one more. basically everybody was saying, oh, if we shut down for two weeks, this will be gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we all can see the truth in that now two years down the road. But so they, they shut down school. You guys were all home for that week before spring break. And then we had spring break. And then you didn't go back. And then you didn't go back. And then you didn't go back. And you guys, if I'm remembering, did you go back at all the rest of the year? No, no. It okay, shut down and I we thought. never went back. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was so weird for me yeah. to see that all of a sudden now all y'all were home all day, every day. Yeah. And you and your brothers were trying to, to learn from home. But then we had your mom who's teaching from home, trying Mm -hmm. to do that. And, you know, you can all imagine how effective and easy it is to teach choir (laughs) from home. home. So, (laughs) So, you know, it was such a weird thing. I listened to a lot of tech podcasts and it was interesting to listen to these as you know they continued to record because you can obviously do that from home and a lot of these people they're freelancers or they have their own websites or or things like that and so they often kind of work from home and so you had those who were talking about well it didn't really impact work but then i would listen to ones where people are talking about well i haven't left the house in two months and i'm sitting here going it was almost the exact opposite for me I had spring break off because I'd already been scheduled to have spring break off, but I still went to work every single day. And I had, you know, we tried to close the clinic for anything but true emergencies. And that lasted about one week. I remember that. And so I just kept going to work. And we had people who ended up getting furloughed because the expectation was volumes will decrease. So we're not going to pay people to be full-time if they're not working full-time. And then there was also the thing that with with the unemployment and everything that the government was doing, it was financially advantageous for them to decrease people's hours because then they could apply for some of that assistance. But for me, it was exactly the same. I just kept going to work and I would do the same thing just with less help and less people. And, And I think we'll talk more about work a little bit later, but you know, that was the interesting thing for me is I'm seeing you guys home all the time and we're not going out except it's, you know, like emergencies. We've got to go and get groceries or that sort of thing. And I'm listening to people online and in other places talk about how they're just staying home and they're not going anywhere. And I'm just sitting there going every morning, get up at the same time, drive to work at the same time, be there the same amount of time and come home. Now, I do not want it to sound like I'm complaining about that because I was incredibly fortunate and I am very grateful that I was able to keep working, that that didn't have any effect on on my job right. or my ability to work and, and, and earn. And so certainly not complaining, but it was just really kind of weird to see so many things and hear so many people talking about being home. And for me, it felt like I was, nothing had changed almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it was such a shock for me 
not only like school wise, but I didn't go back to dance until June first. Like, yeah, I it was so weird because I was so used to for I don't even know twelve something years of my life of of consistently dancing, like being there after school for multiple hours and then coming home, and so I was almost never home like throughout the day and you know I'd get home at like nine or something yep and I could never have dinner with you guys really like you know like I was gone so often and and not only was that weird but also like that was my exercise too so when that got taken away from me I was like what am I going to do with myself (laughs) I was like I'm going to die I'm gonna lose every single muscle that I've ever gained I'm literally gonna die and I remember (laughs) we would like we had that peloton bike and all of us were just like making the rounds, taking turns every day. It would be like six of us, all six of us wanted to ride the bike. And I would like do yeah. two rides a day sometimes because <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm going to die. <laughs> it was well, to the so point that weird. we ended up buying a second Peloton Yeah, because it was getting used so much that we needed to be able to have potentially two people riding at the same time. Yeah. And it was right beginning in competition season as well. Like the day that really hit me where I was like, Oh, this is real. Something is happening that is going to fundamentally change our lifestyle for a very long time was I was on my way to a competition and I was with my friend and her grandma because you had work and mom had, I mean, obviously work too. So I think I was just going with my friend down to the competition and we get like two thirds of the way there, and then our coach calls us and is like, "Uh, shut down. The competition's canceled." And some of us were already there too, and had checked into the hotel. And so we all are like panicking, and we were like, "What? What is going on right now? Like something is insanely wrong." And then we just had to turn around and come home. And people's like sports were getting canceled that weekend. I remember, and everything was just. Everything was just so weird. It was just such a shock because nothing had happened like that ever in my entire life. It was just so weird. We had gone to a a dance competition for you down in Salt Lake that first weekend of March. It was like the Friday Mm -hmm. the 6th and Saturday the 7th. Yeah. And I remember that will forever be burned into my brain as the last concert that I got to go to before COVID shut the world down. Because, oh, you know, I, I remember Saturday night going up to uh, see Cult of Luna yeah. in Salt Lake. And and then, boom, you know, I, I mean, there's been so many concerts that I've had tickets to or that I've been waiting to buy tickets to only to have them canceled and rescheduled. I've got something at the end of March set up and they keep saying it's going to happen, but I still don't know if it's going to happen. And so for me, that was like the one thing I do sometimes is go to concerts. And I haven't been able to do that for two years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's it's been so interesting to kind of see how it impacted that aspect. What is it like now for you where you're at in college? What changes? I mean, obviously you didn't you weren't in college before and after COVID, but what are the effects that you see from COVID there at the University of Utah? Um, well, I know now the vaccines are mandated and the booster is now mandated. Um, cool. It'll take probably forever for that to actually come into play, but you know, (laughs) at least they're trying. Um, they have self-testing centers and like 
testing kit pickup centers all across campus, like 20 plus centers where there's asymptomatic testing centers and symptomatic testing centers. And so a lot of the times people will just get weekly asymptomatic ones. Um, Wow. Yeah, I've done those a couple times. I just sometimes get so caught up in everything else that I forget to go do that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and then there's the different... There's like, they're like vending machines too. You can literally go hmm. and pick up a self-serve testing one and then you just go back and drop it off at a location and they send you your results via your university email. Um, hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, and... Every single professor I have ever had is very much like, I will be wearing a mask for the entire semester, and I strongly, strongly encourage all of you to do the same. So most of us do. I have only ever seen a class where I have like one person not wearing a mask. Um, hmm. And so that's just kind of what I'm used to seeing there, at least. Obviously, I wasn't there beforehand, so I don't really know what it looked like before, <laughs> but... Yeah, that's, that's, they've been doing a decent job for, for Utah, I guess. (laughs) What are some of the other differences you have seen in being in Salt Lake, kind of in, in the city itself, as opposed to what you saw here in Pocatello? Um, everybody here wears masks basically everywhere still, even if there's not a mask mandate. There was a mask mandate for, I think three weeks, two weeks at the beginning of this semester. Um, and it was just like mandated by the Salt Lake County. And then Mm. the Senate overturned it. And so it wasn't a thing anymore, but almost nothing changed really Yeah, from where I go. Cause I don't go very many places except for school or work. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, I see like it, it really is just so different compared to Pocatello, especially in the summer. And I, I will admit, I obviously wasn't careful in the summer either because it seemed like things were getting better. And yeah, I know I was pretty lax with, I was going a bunch of places. I went on a ton of trips with Hayden and stuff and no one was wearing masks and neither were we cause we thought it was fine. And then I went back to college and, or I went to college and everyone was, everyone, the masks were back on and everyone was getting vaccines and everything. And it was yeah. just such a sh- complete shift from Pocatello. Yeah. You know, you bring up that difference between Salt Lake and Pocatello and it's been really interesting here to see how few people are willing to wear masks when places like, um, Costco and such had their own mask mandates in place. You know, you'd see people walking in without a mask and they'd take the one that was handed on handed to them. They'd put it on and then as soon as they were around the corner, people would still take masks off and Yeah. Or I remember I saw one guy who put his on like up on his forehead or something. I've just seen that too. Total dipshit, but whatever. <laughs> For me, all it meant is I was used to wearing a mask in the operating room and I've been wearing masks in a surgical setting for 20 years now. Right. Only difference for me is it meant now I was wearing a mask in the clinic as well and in the halls. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't been that big a deal for me. And when people get all worked up about it, I'm just going to be totally honest. I don't understand it. When people get worked up about wearing a mask, I don't care 
how judgmental this is of me, I instantly think somebody who's getting worked up and upset about wearing a mask is a moron. I do. I just think they're stupid. Yeah. Because they're just not that big of a deal. And I understand that it's a new thing for some people. And I understand the people who think that it's uncomfortable. If it's uncomfortable, get a better mask. There's so many different kinds of masks that you can wear that are totally comfortable. I mean, I put on my mask at 6.30 in the morning and I will often wear it until 5.30 at night. Mm -hmm. So just don't come at me about masks (laughs) being uncomfortable. Like, just don't. No, and me too. With my 12-hour shifts at work, I wear it at 5.45 in the morning and I take it off at 6.30 at night. Yeah, and you're fine. And I'm fine. No, it's not, it's not the best. And my breath smells weird afterwards because I was in the mask the whole time. But it just is so annoying because I'm like, it's not a big deal. Calm down. You're getting worked up about something that is like, you're not being funny or quirky by thinking it's a big deal because it's not. It's a simple thing to do for public safety. It's very simple. And that's the part that I think pisses me off the most about it is the fact that you know, everything I can find that seems credible, all of the evidence I have seen suggests, or at least looking at the studies, straight up demonstrates clearly that wearing a mask reduces the spread. And I think all of us who have looked into this understand that where does wearing the mask reduce the most spread? It's preventing you from spreading it to somebody else. Exactly. Does it protect you from other people? Yes but it does much more to protect other people from you. So the person who is wearing the mask is protecting other people from them. Yeah. And so when people refuse to wear a mask because it's uncomfortable or because they don't like it, it just is straight up them saying, I don't care about you. I don't want this. My comfort is worth more than your health and potentially your life. Mm -hmm. And I find that such an outstandingly egregious line of thought that I just can't respect it at all. No. Yeah. And yeah, it just really frustrates me because it seems it's just such a selfish opinion. I don't even know what to call it, but I'm like, okay, if I get COVID, I will be fine. I know for almost a fact that me personally, as a healthy young person, I'll be fine. But yeah, I would never, ever forgive myself if I got COVID and because I wasn't wearing a mask or something, gave it to someone who ended up getting extremely sick and possibly dying from it, I would never, ever forgive myself for that. And so... Yeah, I'm the same. I will take the discomfort. I was even double freaking masking a couple weeks ago at work. I was wearing a KN95 underneath the surgical mask for 12 hours and I was fine. I could still breathe. <laughs> And and as someone who has double masked with not a KN95, but an actual fit tested N95, and then over the top of that, a surgical mask, I will tell you that is uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. It is uncomfortable. But you know what it doesn't do? It doesn't give you carbon dioxide poisoning. No. And it doesn't decrease your oxygen levels. No. I'm just like, give me a freaking break. People. Come on. Yeah, I will do I will do whatever it takes to be able to not just to keep other people safe. If I can do something where I can keep other people safe, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And so I don't understand why it's so hard for 
it's it, I don't understand why that's not the reason for people. You know what I mean? Like like if if all else fails and you don't want to you don't care about yourself getting covid and stuff, at least care about other people. At least do it for other people at the very least. Yeah. But that's the problem. That's part of or even the root of so many of the problems in our society these days in my opinion is the fact that everybody feels that their quote rights quote which really are mostly their privileges and their comforts Mm -hmm. somehow are more important than other people i mean it just it's a disgusting repugnant thought but so many people seem to have that these days yeah that it just it fires me up i mean and and pocatello has been so bad you know going to uh, the school board meetings where you spoke and where your mom spoke and where I spoke, just yeah. basically saying, hey, let's keep doing the things that are safe and that are consistent. And then there's other parents and other people there who are pitching fits and freaking out and making threats about, we have to be back full time and we have to do this, that, and the other. And, and you know, it, it all boiled down to this idea. Every time there's been one of these things that we have seen here, it all boils down to people saying, my convenience is more important than your health. And it disgusts me. It just disgusts me. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember feeling so nervous to go speak at that school board meeting because I was like, someone's going to try and jump me after this or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were terrified about our house getting toilet papered or egged or yeah. vandalized in some way afterwards because that's the mentality that you have to put up with here in this city sometimes and we were so we were crafting our speeches the couple days before i remember and trying so hard to make it respectful and yet to the point but we were speaking very eloquently i even like i wrote for one of my college application essays about how i spoke at that meeting and it's just the difference between we were trying to be respectful about it because we understood other people had different opinions than us and we were just trying to get our thoughts across in a respectful and firm way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I've seen other people go to those meetings and be yelling from the back or something and like shouting out. Complete lack of respect. Complete lack of respect. And it's just so disgusting because I'm like, even if you have, even if you have that extremely strong opinion, you can be a kind person about it. You can be kind and try and be respectful and explain your thoughts and feelings without being a bad, without being a bad person. I don't even know how to say it. Like, you know what I mean? It's just so frustrating to see people just be genuinely so rude and disrespectful to others. It's so ridiculous. It really is. One of the things you mentioned a little bit earlier is you said that you used to be an extrovert and you feel like COVID has made you an introvert. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about that because I'll be brief. I am an introvert. I've always been an introvert. I have very few to zero friends and don't hang out with people, don't do anything because <laughs> I have no life and whatever. That's just the way I am. And so from, from that standpoint, I honestly don't feel like COVID has made a single change 
in what I would consider kind of my social life because I have no <laughs> social life. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> it definitely changed my social interactions from being, again, very extroverted and hanging out with lots of people all the time and trying to make friends all the time to almost nothing. Like, I remember going back to senior year, so fall of 2020, and I had three friends... And they stayed like my only friends for the entire year. And I was fine with that because I would get so tired. Like I'd have to talk to people at school and you'd have to work in groups or something. And afterwards I'd be like, oh, that took a lot out of me, (laughs) (laughs) which had never been like that before. And I just, I just think I got so used to not seeing people and not talking to that many people and it just completely changed like where I got my energy. Like even now hanging out with people or talking to, you know, a lot of people in class or something, it takes it out of me. Yeah. Like if I have to have like a discussion in class afterwards, I am drained. Like that is too much talking, talking and too much listening to people's voices. I will be quiet for four hours now. (laughs) And that is so interesting to me because you really were, you were the kid always who you met somebody new at the playground, at the swimming pool or whatever. And within like 30 seconds of meeting them, you guys were best friends. Yeah. (laughs) Just always, you, you always, you're like, Oh, you come over and you'd be like, look at my new best friend. And you're like, Oh, where did you meet them? You're like right over there. And you know, in the 15 feet to walk over here, boom, you became best friends. <laughs> and I just, that was always how you were. And that's kind of, it's sad a little bit, but it's fascinating to me that yeah. that isolation made that sort of shift in you. Yeah. And even now I, it was pretty hard for me to make friends at college. I went a solid couple weeks without really having friends, which again, I wasn't super used to, but you know, is a whole new lifestyle with living somewhere completely different and being by myself and stuff. So, you know, it was a whole range of new things, but making friends was pretty hard. And I always say, I have this one friend who is extremely extroverted and she will walk down the street and know 15 people and be like, oh, hey, and then strikes up a conversation with them. And I'm just sitting there, like, scratching my head, pulling my <laughs> thumbs, waiting for her to be done. <laughs> but because of her is why I have every single friend that I have now in college. Yeah. Which is so funny to me. Like, I'm friends with her. She introduced me to the closest friend I have here. She introduced me to her roommate, which is also a pretty close friend of mine. And, like, literally everybody that I'm friends with is because of her. <laughs> it's just so funny. Well, I'm glad you I met used to her be then. that person. Yeah, I used to yeah, be that person. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> and now I'm, like, following her around like a puppy dog. Like, will you find me friends, please? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad that I at least found an extroverted friend. <laughs> no but, yeah, it's just been weird. It's just been very weird. And on top of that being at work where I have to be all happy all the time and talking to people all the time, especially if it's a day shift. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Night shifts. I don't hear myself or anyone speak for like three hours. Usually. <laughs> Welcome to the middle of the night in the hospital. It'll, yeah. It'll be 3am. And the first words I hear is from the nurse. I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Is that okay? We're all like, yeah. And then they go to the bathroom and that's the only talking anyone's <laughs> done for four hours. 
<laughs> which is just funny. But during the day shift, you know, there's so much going on all the time that afterwards I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk for the rest of the day. <laughs> oh my gosh. I so understand that. Obviously, I'm talking to people all day long in terms yeah. of just patience. But the other thing I've always tried to do is make sure that I say hi to everybody in the hospital all the time, no matter yeah. where I'm going and try and talk right. to them, make sure I know who they are, know their name and, and things like that. And that is not me. I mean, that is yeah. not me at all. Like I, I have such bad, sometimes almost crippling social anxiety mm-hmm. that, but, but I'm able to hide it at work. And I don't know why I can do it so well there, but like I'll have a resident or a med student with me, which I've had an awful lot of lately, which is is cool in its own way. (laughs) Um, It's challenging in its own way as well. But, you know, it will be talking and it'll somehow come up and I'll mention that I am horribly introverted and that I have this terrible, terrible social anxiety. And it's always a surprise to people. Like they're Mm -hmm. shocked that this is, but it's just what we have to do. You know? Yeah. No, and I see that with you too, which is, it's just funny to me to see that in you because I'll go have lunch with you sometimes, you know, at work and we'll walk down the hall and you literally say hi to everyone. And I'm like, who is this man? And why is he talking to everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Because at home, you know, it's finally where you can like de-stimulate your your brain and so Uh sometimes you'll sit in the living room with the lights off and your headphones on and just like (laughs) zen out (laughs) i I can admit (laughs) to having done that (laughs) which i absolutely respect that because i need that too but it's such a funny switch because then i'll go to work and i'll have four people come up to me and be like your dad is so great he says hi to me every single day or your dad is just amazing. I'm like, I know, but like, I didn't know we talked this much. <laughs> <laughs> like I but say, it's I, something I'm able to yeah. pull off at work, but yeah. Well, speaking <laughs> of, let's talk a little bit about that since really kind of the conceit of this podcast has been looking at medicine uh, from in different viewpoints from people in medicine. Let's talk about work and, and how is work impacting or has it impacted your job over the last, what we decided about three months or so that you've been working Mm -hmm. at the hospital? Yeah. Yeah. I've only been working there while COVID has been happening. So it hasn't, you know, I haven't seen like a change. So you don't have a pre COVID work experience. Yeah. But obviously getting COVID patients is like a whole, a whole situation at work. Like, we don't get them super often because we're the neuroscience trauma unit. So <laughs> that's not our main, you know, thing that happens. But <laughs> <laughs> Usually COVID isn't what caused their neuro trauma. No. Um, but occasionally we will get kids who the only reason why we know they have COVID is because they get a test when they are getting admitted. Of course. And so then, you know, everyone's like, oh no, this pod has a COVID patient on it. Ah! And so you have to get in the entire desk of drawers of every size of N95 on the entire unit in this little drawer outside of that room. You need at least three pappers, which is just for people who don't know what that is. I don't know what it stands for, but it's like, it looks like a beehive suit kind of. (laughs) I always call (laughs) it a space suit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because you've got basically a great big clear face shield and then this white hood that completely covers your head. 
And then a hose mm-hmm. that's recirculating air and going down to a filter that's on a belt around your waist. Yeah, that's like this giant thing that you got to like hook on your belt. So the process of getting in and out of a COVID room is the oh. most annoying thing ever. Because the, the <laughs> donning and the doffing of the personal protective yeah. equipment is such a freaking nightmare. It's so like if that COVID patient needs anything... You have, you designate someone to go in there. So only one person has to don and off all the equipment. And once you're in there, you're like, do you need anything? Do you have to pee? Do you need water? Do you need string cheese? Can I get you anything? So I don't have to come back into this room for at least a couple hours. (laughs) Like I was, I was in a situation. (laughs) I was in the, I was in the hall up on med surge today and I was going in to talk to a patient and a couple rooms down, I think it was a COVID positive patient and one of our internal medicine hospitalists who she's amazing and she's been there through all this. She's standing out there at the uh, PPE cart mm-hmm. and I kind of just looked at her and she just had this look of absolute exhaustion as she was getting <laughs> ready to don her PPE. And I just felt <laughs> so bad because... I rarely take care of COVID positive patients because of the right. type of medicine I'm in. And a lot of times, I mean, there's been a number of times where I've canceled or rescheduled the case because somebody called and said, Hey, we're, we just tested positive for COVID. And I'm like, great. Then I'm not freaking doing your surgery tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been interesting for me, obviously having been in before COVID and then through it all. Fortunately, because of the kind of physician I am, I have 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 had very little interaction with, you know, the COVID unit and the COVID patients right. and things like that. And so I'm, I'm so grateful and have so much respect and just uh, appreciation for my colleagues who have been in the middle of the COVID fight, you know, in the ER and the hospitalist medicine and mm-hmm. the ICU and, and those sorts of folks who really have busted their butts taking care of all these people. But one of the things that has been the most difficult, honestly, has been just the loss of manpower. And I'm sure you see it to some degree where you are. I mean, you're telling me all the time about having to pick up extra shifts or or being offered to pick up extra shifts because they're short staffed. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, medicine is short staffed for a number of reasons. On the one hand, people are getting COVID and so they're out. And I don't know if you guys have something, but we have a little questionnaire thing that we're supposed to fill out before every single shift that do you have any of these symptoms? What's your temperature? Have you been around? Blah, blah, blah. And so you fill that out. And depending on how you answer the questions, you're either, yep, you're cleared for work. Come on in. Or, uh, you know, HR is going to contact you about what to do next. Mm-hmm. And then especially with Omicron, Omicron has been interesting because it has been way less severe and we haven't seen, we've seen a lot of people, but they're not nearly as sick as they have been with previous variants. But because it seems to be so much more contagious, we have staff out all the time. I mean, every single day I have gone to work over the past probably two months, whether it's in the operating room or whether it's in our clinic, somebody is out. Somebody is out with COVID. Everywhere you go, somebody's out with Mm -hmm. COVID. And so we're trying to still do the same thing and our patient loads are the same, or especially if you're in the hospital, the patient loads are higher because of all these COVID patients that we're doing more with less. We had a number of days where they had to, they made us cancel all of our elective surgeries, not because the, not because we couldn't do them, 
because we couldn't do them because we didn't have enough people. Yeah. They were having to pull the OR staff and send them out to help out in the ICU and to help out in the ER and this kind of stuff because so many people were out. And half of the time I go into our pre-op setting, it's partially pre-op patients, but it's partially people who are spending the night there in pre-op because there's no room in the, in the hospital for them. Mm -hmm. I was walking through the ER yesterday after seeing a patient down there and there was somebody down there in the ER talking to a couple of kind of the, the orderlies and stuff saying, okay, we need to move these beds and we got to find a place to put these beds because we're need to, going to need to put inpatient beds in these rooms because we've got to board patients here and we've got people who are sitting in the ER for sometimes days at a time before they can get an actual room in the hospital. And we have people who are spending you know, the night in places that were never designed to have people spending the night there because there's right. no room for them. And it's, it's been crazy and it, it comes and goes. And so sometimes it's easy to forget how busy things are because you don't see that for a week or two. And then all of a sudden, bam, it's just there's beds everywhere and there's patients everywhere and we're tripping over each other and over patients just trying to get our jobs done. Yeah, yeah, no. And I've seen, I saw this thing the other day that kind of put it all in perspective for me, like just more more so. And it was someone, I think it was a TikTok is what it was. And someone was, I think, a nurse in the ICU. And they were just talking about how there is literally no open beds at their hospital because of COVID. Yeah. And so if you come into the ER with a heart attack, that sucks, I guess, because there's not a bed for you. So you will have to go home and have your heart attack at home. Well, and add on top of that, there have been a number of people, and there's been a bunch of studies that have looked at this, people who had heart attacks at home Mm -hmm. because they were terrified to go to the hospital because of COVID. Yeah. So, like, if that doesn't put it into perspective for people, I don't know what what is because you can say what you want about COVID. It's not going to change a thing about how there's no open beds places for people with strokes and heart attacks and traumatic brain injuries and things like that. There are no open beds for those people because of COVID. Yeah. The number of times we've been on divert where small community hospitals are calling us and saying, Hey, we've got somebody who needs the services that you can offer. We need to transfer them to you. And we can't because we don't have a place for them. We have no room. Yeah. It's, and people I think don't understand that. And every time somebody talks about how COVID is a hoax and it's made, I I just, I have no patience for that because it is such an absolutely and devastatingly ignorant opinion to have that I just, I can't even engage in those, you know, there, I mean, that happened, you were in the nutcracker and, you know, it was limited seating because, Obviously, there was, I think they allowed, what was it, 10? 10 people could buy tickets? Yeah, so they like auctioned off 10 extremely expensive tickets. <laughs> yeah, so it was your last time you were going to be dancing in it, and we're like, we yep. got to go. We're going to be there. But one of the other dancer moms just started ranting about how stupid it was that we were doing this, and we shouldn't be closing schools, and the masks don't work, and we shouldn't be doing this. And then she said to me, well, I mean, you know, Peter, you know, it's just not that bad, right? And I just turned to her, and I said, hey, I'm not going to engage in this conversation with you because I will not be able to be civil. I will need to be escorted out of here. It just, uh, 
And the worst part about it is you look at where we're at and all the people who have died and all the things that it has caused. And I don't think we know the answer, but I can't help but ask the question, what if? What if people were more careful? Yeah. What if people thought about the person next to them or the person they were going to potentially run into? What if we just spent a little less time complaining about ourselves and a little bit more time thinking about each other? Would this have been different? Would we maybe not have almost a million deaths from COVID over the last two years? And I don't know. And I don't know if anybody knows the answer, but it makes me sad to think that I th- there's a certain percentage of the damage that this disease has caused that is a direct result of the selfishness of the people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it has definitely impacted, and, and I don't know if you've seen this when we were talking about friends, but it has definitely impacted, I can't say the word friend because, you know, but <laughs> acquaintances, people that I know that I don't talk to anymore because I can't stand their opinions on this because they're yeah. so selfish. They're so ignorant and self-centered. That I just can't talk to them. I can be civil. I can smile. I can wave. But then I'm like, give me the hell out of here because I am not going to talk to this person because I am not going to be civil. And I'm going to say things that neither of us are going to like. And so I just, I remove myself from the situation. Yeah. No, I've seen the exact same thing myself, especially, especially at dance. I, it was split like 90, 10 yeah, where it was, it was, it was, it was half the reason why I started to really dislike it nearing the end of the year. Like that, like the end of my senior year just got so, so bad because people would not shut up about how stupid it is. And me, 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 oh, it's just getting, and I was like, stop, you're making this a horrible environment for everybody. Yeah. Like, I remember being at a competition and one of my dance teachers or one of the, like, so one of the competitions we went to was a convention where we had classes as well as also competing. Right. And for the classes, there's like, we're in a big room, like a ballroom at a hotel. And then there's like a stage at the top. And so the teachers on the stage with the microphone yelling, you know, whatever at everybody. Uh-huh. And the teacher was like giving us so we had to wear masks for that competition and that teacher would be like okay everyone can have a little mask break for a second put your head down so you're not breathing on anybody you can take your mask down for a second to like just give us a little break to breathe sure and one of my teachers was like this is so like stop talking about covid this is so stupid like like saying that out loud in the back of the room just undermining the teacher that was up there so embarrassing so embarrassing i was embarrassed to be standing next to her i was like okay who cares if you don't like covid don't be disrespectful to people don't it ruins the environment for everybody and so it it was those kinds of people where i felt like i couldn't even be myself around them anymore because we just had such polarizing different opinions and it just would bug me so bad to just hear the selfishness And it just, it ruined a lot of my friendships and that's sad, but I don't think I want to have them back, to be honest. I don't blame you. I feel the same way. Some of the people who I just don't talk to anymore because of how they've approached and dealt with this whole COVID thing, I, I'm okay. I'm 
totally okay no longer having them be a part of my life. I really am. Yeah. And I feel a little bit bad saying that, but I look at how this has impacted so many people. And I look at, I mean, look, you know, October 2020, your mom got sick. She got sick. Mm -hmm. I mean, she could barely move from the bedroom downstairs to the bathroom. She was so sick and she's young, healthy, active. And I look at that and I go, imagine, you know, one of my 80 year old patients who comes hobbling into my office with a walker or in a wheelchair and they're already on oxygen. You give them that and what's going to happen? They're dead. Yeah. They're dead, period. And just, oh, it's so, it's so frustrating. But at the same time, I think the hard thing, and, and we don't have answers here, we're not experts, but where do we go from here? You know, I, I think, and this is again, totally my opinion here, nothing official, no, I'm not even saying this as, I mean, I'm kind of saying it as a doctor because you can't get away from that. It's just part of who you are. <laughs> but as what I think is a pretty educated person, and as a, a doctor who has tried to stay up on a lot of this, a lot of shortcomings. I only have so much time and I only have so much brain energy to spend on this because I am not a COVID doctor. I am a urologist. That is my focus. And so if I'm spending time reading <laughs> medical stuff, it's mostly about <laughs> urology. However, I do think at some point COVID is no longer going to be a pandemic. It is going to become endemic, meaning it is just here. And I think it will get to the point where it's a lot like the flu and we'll get our flu shot. And I predict we will get our COVID shot every year. And there will occasionally be COVID variants that are a little bit more severe, just like there are flu mutations that are a little bit more severe than others. But we'll get to a point, I believe, where it's just, it's one of the diseases that you get. And kind of like, you know, the flu and the cold, where you're more likely to get it when it's cold, maybe. But I I don't think that it will be what it is now. But what I fear is that when that happens, people are going to just stop caring altogether. What I would like would be for people to be a little bit more cognizant and say, okay, if I don't feel well, if I'm sick, maybe I should stay home. Maybe I should, you know, social distance for a little bit. And if I have to go out, wear a damn mask. I don't know if we'll get there. I hope that that's where we get to and people can be smart, can think about their neighbors, think about the person next to them, think about the little old grandma who's walking down the aisle at the grocery store that you don't want to kill her. You don't. And if you do, shame on you. But you shouldn't want to kill her. Don't kill grandma. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. That's that's where I think it's going to go. I don't know. What do you think? Do you disagree with me? Am I stupid? There's lots of times I am. No, I... (laughs) no I honestly do agree I just I just feel like it's gonna be something that will always like just divide people which obviously I don't like because there's so much division in the world anyways but I hope it's something like that where you just you go get your COVID shot yearly or yeah bi-annually or whatever like I don't care I'll get a (laughs) freaking COVID shot every week if I have to like I don't care (laughs) I literally don't care, but I hope it's just something like that where it can just be contained and just something that we kind of learn to live with and because I don't think it's going to be one of the things where it's going to go away forever. So if no. you're expecting that, don't get It's never up, going away. I don't and I think anybody who thinks happen. it's going to go away is unfortunately no. deluding themselves. 
it's here. It's always going to be here. Yeah. But you know, we look at it and the severity of disease seems to have decreased with each subsequent variation, even if things like the, in the contagious nature yeah. of it and its ability to, to transmit its transmissibility has increased. So I do. I think at some point we'll get to a place where things aren't shut down and things can get back to some degree of normal. And I think that new normal is going to be different in some ways, but I think we'll get to a normal. But I also think our ability to get to that normal depends on people showing some compassion for each other. And boy, that just seems in short supply some days. Yeah. And honestly, that's just what it comes down to is just don't be selfish and think of other people besides yourself and think of other people's well-being beside yourself as well. That's just what it comes down to in my head. I agree with you. I think you said it perfectly. So, well, this went a little bit longer than usual, but I think we had a lot to get off our chests. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, I appreciate you taking this time to chat with me, Aubrey, and look forward to chatting next time. Thanks again to everybody who's listening, who's subscribing. Uh, who's uh, maybe sharing this with other people, please feel free if you can to leave us a review in the uh, podcatcher of choice, whatever you use to listen to it. And uh, let us know if there's things that you know, people want to hear, things that people are interested in us talking about. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting again in another couple of weeks. Yeah. Bye.